Hello, everyone, and welcome back as we take the helm, focusing on our and our children's mental health. If you want to learn some new strategies that you can teach your children as young as three and four years old, listen up. Anna Esperham is our guest today. Are you facing a crisis in your life or business? It's time to steer yourself in the right direction through the real experiences, passion, and courage of our guests. We're taking the helm with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Well, let me do a brief introduction and turn it over to Anna. She is just leaving Children's Mercy Hospital to to pursue another academic qualification. She's trained in headache pain, in sleep clinics, a medical clinic. She's a certified physician in acupuncture, pediatrics. My goodness. Well, Anna, we are beyond excited to have you today uh, with us to talk about children's emotional health, children's well-being. And you come with a wealth of information that we really need to tap into and share around this world. I am so excited. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Lynn. Okay. Well, you're, we, we'll get your big, big transition right now, but what have you been doing for the last little while in your career? Well, okay. Yeah. I've kind of jumped around a little bit, but um, so I am currently I'm triple board certified in, so pediatrics. So that's my main pediatric residency. So board certified in pediatrics, I'm board certified in integrative medicine, and then I'm board certified in medical acupuncture. And it's only because um, I had my own chronic health issues that um, were not well treated with just conventional medicine with pharmacologic care, surgery, things like that. So I went and got more training because I knew my patients, they were dealing with a lot of chronic health issues. I was dealing with a lot of chronic health issues. And so I really had to have a foundation in, in integrative therapies and all these different alternative modalities, but also emotional and spiritual well-being, because that was one of the mega shifts that I had to go through in order to heal my chronic pain and my autoimmune disease is these underlying emotional trauma and, and spiritual issues that I was dealing with where when I was taking care of all the pharmacologic pieces, the surgery, the conventional piece, the integrative, the nutrition supplement piece, I didn't deal with the emotional piece, the trauma piece, um, and the spiritual piece. And until I did that, that was when I really started getting better. And so that's how I started incorporating that into my practice where I, um, worked at an academic, I've always worked at academic medical centers. I built a pediatric integrative medicine clinic, and then I went on to do more pediatric pain and headaches. I directed this headache treatment center where we did a lot of acupuncture and hypnosis and mind body therapies for children with pain and headaches, because the mind body therapy piece really gets to a lot of the root cause issue of chronic pain, sleep issues, chronic health issues. Those emotional pathways are so connected to our nervous system, which is so connected to the endocrine system, the immune system, to almost every other system. And so really you can actually shift quite a bit of uh, healing by just doing a lot of mind body therapies. And so that's the power of it. That's why I love it. I'm certified in clinical hypnosis as well. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I do, I try and do as much. And then now I left the academic medical center, um, where I directed a headache treatment center because I'm going to go and get trained and become 
board certified in osteopathic neuromusculoskeletal medicine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, there's just so much, there's so much to unpack on what you just said. Holy mackerel. So uh, you and I have talked at length. We have a lot in common. Um, no, no, I certainly don't have that level of expertise, but the academic piece and, and uh, you know, we've all been trained and I'm going to say this over and over and over again, because we've got to change our mindset to wait till we have symptoms to go get things checked out. Right. And we do all the things that you just mentioned. We do, we're looking at the pharmacological logical, the physical piece, and this whole other realm is something we really need to better understand. So um, you know, Anna, that our prime purpose right now on taking the helm is to take people back to a proactive place. You've you've just said uh, you know, off the top of your head as if, you know, if it's, it's nothing, five or six different alternative and maybe alternative, maybe it's uh, maybe the alternative isn't the right word, um, compatible. I don't yeah. know. It, I'm it, they're the calling word. it more integrative now, integrative, integrative modalities, okay. because more and more of us in the conventional health system are, when we're dealing with chronic health issues, um, are trying to integrate a lot of these modalities into medicine. It's just, it's good medicine is what we're yes. calling it. We're actually yeah. even trying to get away from the word integrative medicine. That's just medicine. Yeah. And I was using the word alternative and someone helped me understand that that doesn't really explain it very well either. Okay. But regardless, regardless of what the word is, um, if we could go back, if I could take my kids back to the ages of three and four years old, what kinds of things would you, based on all of the experiences you've had personally and professionally, what, you know, and I know you could give us like 20 different things. What are some top things that you would recommend we should be doing to set our kids up for life in this very complex world that they're living in today? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, there's actually a little bit of research around this that um, emotional regulation is is really, really key, especially especially for the younger kids. And we don't teach this in, you know, preschools or even in elementary schools. I think there is some movement towards teaching a lot of the mindfulness piece and some of these mind body therapies, mm -hmm. but really it's, it's coming to terms with having these younger kids become aware yes. of why they're feeling the way they're feeling. It's, it's called uh, my, my psychoanalyst when I was getting some psychoanalysis, he called it, um, name to tame oh, the emotion. Like and so it's, it's almost, and for younger kids, they can do this. It's just, you have to do it in a way that's applicable to them. So developmentally appropriate for, you know, three and four years old. And so, but there is a way to do it. And, and a lot of us who have more psychoanalysis training or therapy training or psychology training can do this, but there are many, many resources to teach parents, to teach um, teachers, yeah. A simple way to do it is actually um, using uh, an emotional spiral where these kids can almost name the emotion in maybe relation to like an animal. Like, mm -hmm. why do they feel like a super hungry tiger that's just, you know, really loud and roaring and impulsive, you know? And so they can re relate to like an animal, for example. So mm -hmm. why... As, you know, if they're happy and they feel like a monkey because they're eating like a great snack. I mean, so you can kind of have them start naming to tame that emotion and make it fun for them. Like what animal are they feeling like today? What color are they feeling like? You know, are they feeling like red oh my and gosh. fiery? So it's just making it fun for these kids, but trying to get them to understand their feelings and naming their feelings. 
Okay, I, I gotta jump in because I am so excited. I'm so I'm still excited. And this was yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I was invited to read in one of our children's books from the power of thought to two kindergarten classes and a grade four or five class. And it's it's they're not animals, but they're make-believe aliens that live on another planet. And I have to tell you, I was so blown away. They knew the word lonely. They described times like these are little four and five year olds. We're starting to do the the right things. And but it's bigger than that, I think, is what you're saying. And I think and I agree with you totally. And so does my co-author. We can name the emotions, but we have to understand, first of all, why am I feeling this way? I am feeling worried. I am feeling scared. Why? And then what can I do as a proactive way to say, it's okay, I can feel this way, but why am how am I going to take it to a positive outcome? I gotta tell you, it was it was. And I taught kindergarten for a year. I'll be open and honest about this. I did not enjoy being a kindergarten teacher for a lot of reasons. I think I was expecting my second child at the time, but I loved it yesterday. And man, it just really, really pumped me up. So, okay, that's fantastic. Let's talk about, um, you mentioned to me skills that we can use, like tapping, self-care. What, what yes. would that look like? So what, there's actually a couple of skills that I actually incorporated into just the conventional practice, especially for um, kids or teens who were dealing with sleep issues. They had a lot of anxiety. They had a lot of racing thoughts, yes. um, really uncomfortable feelings, like even depression and sadness and grief, um, just feelings that they just didn't want in their body that they could actually even visualize. And so when they talk about like those types of feelings, we actually can do some hypnosis and, and young kids can learn this as well because of the power of imagination. So really, really young kids can learn as long as they can, if they can imagine they can do hypnosis. So say they're having, um, an uncomfortable feeling of anxiety, um, even if it's test anxiety, for example, yeah. they could visualize as they as they get relaxed, they can get into their favorite place. Like a lot of my kids love Disney World, so they'll go to Disney World or Disneyland or something <laughs> like that. And so they're like watching the fireworks, but then they're like, oh, wow, um, they can pull that anxiety. That anxiety looks like some of them does. It looks like red fire. Some of them look like a sticky black substance. Um, some of them, it looks like um, just uh, a smoky little area in their body and their stomach, for example. And they can actually just pull it out with their magic hands and put it into a firework and shoot it off and watch it fly up into the universe and just uh -huh. poof you know, dissipate and explode and go away. And so physiologically, what happens when they're doing that visualization of releasing that anxiety into that firework, letting it fly out into the universe, it actually changes their physiology and their body, releasing their anxiety at, in their physical reality. So it. it's super cool. It's super easy. It only takes a few minutes. It's much easier to teach than meditation since meditation for younger kids and for adolescents, it's a little bit more boring is what they say. And so when you invite a lot more imaginative, creative visualization elements, something fun that they're in control, they have autonomy, it's their idea, it's their visualization, it's, you know, it's their imagination, they actually love to do it, and they do do it. And so when I teach them, say, in clinic, they're actually doing this, which is so surprising. I, I never thought they would start implementing this um, at home. So it's cool. Aww. And imagine them learning how to do that before they need a clinic, before yeah. they need intervention, right? Yeah, as right. a tool for life. I, you know, I it's wish... almost like sorry. No, no, I wish they could. I wish they would teach it earlier on, and 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 
we do try and advocate for a lot of these mind body therapies to be taught yeah. in in the school system but again it's just so tough because they have to meet so many requirements there's yes. so little time it's it's just a tough system but i meant to mention um that's only one modality there's only one you know mind body there's another one tapping which you had just mentioned and right. tapping i when i first learned about this i was in medical school it's also there's the tap there's regular tapping and then there's emotional freedom technique and they're both are similar in that they use um, tapping of acupressure points there's nine oh. specific points that you use and so it's a combination of almost like um cognitive behavioral therapy in a way with acupressure um with positive affirmations and it, there's like over a hundred some studies on this that shows actual um, real data that it decreases anxiety, it decreases depression, it helps you sleep, it decreases cortisol, it shifts your autonomic nervous system. And so it's pretty cool. I really thought this was mm -hmm. not like, I thought this was just some made up thing back in the day, but it is like legit science. <laughs> <laughs> and so so it's fun. The tapping, does that, does that align with, you know, if we have a certain rhythm and whoa, we're up here, we can bring it down. We can bring it yeah. down. We get into a certain rhythm. Self-hypnosis. Can mm -hmm. children learn mm -hmm. self-hypnosis? Yeah, actually I teach self-hypnosis. I, you know, you, people can always go and just get, you know, clinical hypnosis or hypnotherapy and they just go to the visit and then they get that done to themselves. But what's more powerful is the self-hypnosis and that's what I teach. So I generally, when I do the hypnosis and I typically do it online because kids and teens, um, I tried doing it in clinic. It didn't really work super well. The kids were not comfortable in the clinic. It was, you know, sterile room. No one wants to go to the doctor. Everyone feels uncomfortable. It's anxiety inducing at the doctor's office, but they feel more comfortable at home. So that's why I think like Zoom or doing telehealth um, hypnosis yeah. is great. And they, they can actually do this themselves. They just need to know the structure. And after about three to four sessions, typically most teens and most kids learn after about three sessions, some people need a little bit more. Um, but once they learn the structure of how to do the hypnosis, they can actually get pretty creative with it and just do it every single day. And they typically recommend twice a day. So just a few minutes, twice a day, being consistent with it every single day. Um, that shows positive benefits and it's self-hypnosis is really what we teach. That's how we were taught is really teaching the kids how to do it for themselves. How is that comparable to meditation? So meditation. So the, the difference is, is, is meditation is about um, sitting still, being present with yourself. Even if you're distracted, you can just watch those thoughts and just come back to the present moment, kind of being in the void, really. Um, and um, hypnosis is more about if you're relaxed, but you're using your imagination with a specific goal in mind. And meditation doesn't necessarily have a goal every single time. So it's like, okay, I want to get rid of my headache right now. So that's your intention. That's your goal. So then you go into a specific visualization that's going to help you get rid of that headache that feels right to you. So headache was a question I wanted to bring up. And, you know, I've got people in my family that have debilitating, take a few uh, medications that have been prescribed, go to sleep for four hours to get rid of those horrendous migraines. And once again, I bring up the, we think about it as a physical cause. Is the air pressure changed? Has this changed? What's happening? Can you find a commonality? 
So what are you, you're helping teens who are, who are experiencing debilitating migraines, headaches. What's one key piece of advice you would give? Okay. So the number one trigger for headaches, especially in teens is stress. And it doesn't Mm. mean it has to be like, oh, automatically, right. As you experience, you know, stress from a test or, you know, bullying or, you know, your friendships are kind of going down the tube. It, it could be a couple days later. So sometimes they don't make that connection because the stress hits. And then it's like two days later, that migraine or headache hits. So it's really about mitigating. The biggest thing is mitigating that stress is, is stress coping is having that resilience, um, self-regulation, emotional regulation, emotional intelligence is actually really key. There's been a lot of studies on emotional intelligence in kids Mm -hmm. and how it relates to happiness and better health outcomes. Um, and so that would be my biggest key is like that. And that's the hardest. That is one of the hardest things for kids and teens to learn is to cope with stressful situations. We're always going to have them, but it is tough in, especially in a doctor's visit, just like one or two visits to teach them how to cope with stress. So they need a whole team of people helping these kids, especially the parents, the teachers, you know, friends, everyone involved needs to teach them that stress coping. Well, and we as parents, this is a big thing that I've learned with my niece in our children's book. It's older siblings and parents that are saying, thank you very much for teaching us these strategies. We didn't know them ourselves. So if we can model, if we can look in the mirror ourselves and say, okay, I got to learn some things now because my kids are going through something. My grandbabies are going through something I've never experienced in my life and learn new strategies to model for them right from birth, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're going to be like these kindergarten children I was talking to yesterday who were getting there, who have some skills that I never had as a kid because we never talked about it. We never talked about it. No. So um, you just made me think about, um, oh, stress. And, you know, we all we all have it. Like you said, it's a part of our life. It's going to be a part of our kids' lives. But how can they learn to manage it in a in a in as positive a way, I guess, as they can so they don't have these physical, emotional um, whole, whole self issues, I'll say, because your mind and body is obviously connected. Oh, totally. 100%. And yes. And modeling this, it's, it's really, it's funny because no one, everyone always makes fun of us who are pediatricians because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I could never become a pediatrician because you have to, you have not just one patient, you've got all the patients because you've got the parents and you've got the <laughs> yes. kid and you really have to take care of the parents <laughs> before you take care of the kid. So you really do have to teach the parents this stuff. And so it's, it's, yeah, it can be hard to get by. And especially if the parent is so busy and, and, you know, it's got their own thing going on and can't learn a lot of these strategies because other, it just gives the kid that much better chance. Yeah. If, if you could wave a magic wand, what do you think we should be? What, what would be happening in this world with our children right now? Anything is possible. I threw this at you without giving you any warning, but anything is possible. I I love it. Um, You know, honestly, it would be about helping them with connecting with their true authentic self. So many times, in fact, most of my patients, when they get sick, there is always and this is not, I haven't studied this for any reason, but they always have issues with doing 
or being someone who they really aren't and and trying to impress or get validated by someone else, you know, live up to someone else's expectations, be, you know, there for their friend that they really would rather not. Um, so it, it usually is this disconnect with who they are and who they're trying to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so it does create some type of obviously emotional issues, but it can create a lot of physical health issues because there is that mind, body, spirit connection. And once you disconnect that, it is very, very difficult in terms of healing from any chronic health issues until you get that back. So really mm -hmm. advocating, because I know we teach, so here's the problem. And this, this is a big problem, both in in uh, medical, in the medical system, but also in the school system. And mm -hmm. how, I mean, how else are we going to do this? But I don't know, there might be some magic wand too for this, <laughs> but we're teaching the masses, right? We're teaching the masses. So we have to treat, you know, everyone the same and but everyone's different. We've learned different. We've got different personalities, different behavior, different environments. And, and so it's very hard to individualize and tailor every you know, teaching and every um, mm -hmm. healing system to that particular individual. And so that, you know, that's, I think it also makes it tough for that individual too, in the, in the school, in the society and in, in healthcare. I, you know, I go by the premise, you know, long life, look, lifelong educator, essential for some good for all. And I'm going to answer my own question. I would love to see every single classroom right across the world, Every single classroom having having classrooms, sorry, having a period every single day of time for mindfulness activities. And what that looks like will differ, will differ based on the culture, based on the tradition, based on where we are in the world. But if that becomes normalized, so it's not just me doing these activities, it's not that teacher choosing to do it in her or his classroom, and it's not happening over here, it becomes normal. It becomes something that we all just learn to do, and it, it's a regular part of our day, day. Just like talking about mental illness should be a regular part of our day. Talking about suicide should be a, a regular conversation. We have so far to come, but I like to imagine the magic wand. <laughs> It changes the culture too, because, you know, it, it parallels the health system right now. Cause you know, a lot of doctors, oh. a lot of nurses, a lot of staff are burned out, you know, yeah. there's so many, even the hospital that I just left is really short staffed and um, it's, it's, it's growing. And, and what happens is, is it's like, well, they want us, every individual to learn mindfulness or these mind body therapies on our own for, for our own well being. But if it was a big shift where everyone is doing yeah. this together, just imagine, yeah. you know, what could happen. It's just that power of synergy. So that would be cool for be, people yeah. in the workplace too, you know, <laughs> make it part of the curriculum, make it part of the phys ed <laughs> curriculum. You know, you teach, we teach sex ed as part of phys ed. Why do we, you yeah. know, pull the it mind, mind and, and spirit in there as well. Wow. I hope. Oh, I love to dream there. Hey, yeah. it's talking about it is going to, you know, put ideas in other people's heads about how we can make this happen. So I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. So about parents being more aware, uh, you know, why don't do shoulda, coulda, what you've heard me say this listeners and viewers many, many times, but if I could go back in time and understand that trauma for a child can happen at a very, very young age. And Anna, you can speak to this. There's lots of research about it, but one of my children, difficult birth. RSV at three months old, Ventolin treatments at home, childhood asthmatic. And if I could go back, way back when she was, you know, childhood asthmatic or something, there's something that I could have done or we could have done at that, uh, at that time to help her deal with the fears that occurred at that age, then that trauma is not going to spiral and become something bigger as they grow older. Am I right? 
Yeah, and actually they're doing a movement right now in many of the academic children's hospitals to try and provide as much comfort and safety as possible during even just heel sticks or vaccinations or yeah. even just difficult procedures. And so we actually... <laughs> Actually, a lot of hospitals are now called, it's called the comfort promise, but we also are using a lot of hypnosis too during where children need shots. For example, children need to get a blood draw. Um, We do a lot of distraction methods as well. We get child life on board. We make it a very pleasant experience. We also give the kids more control too, because, you know, holding down a kid, you know, that's screaming, it's a very, it's actually, it's very traumatic. I remember that day vividly. So my heart heart is warm, even though I'm still as a parent about it and what she's gone through. My heart is warm knowing that changes are happening to pull in that emotional peace and that care and, you know, and the realization that, yeah, by helping them now, we might be able to avoid uh, some of those challenges later in life. Ah. that's awesome. It, it is awesome. It's super cool. I still think we have a little ways to go. The research showed that if they do have some kind of traumatic issue, even if it was just a crying episode during a heel stick, like, you know, when they have to get a heel stick in the nur- newborn nursery, that oh. is still a traumatic event, mm. um, especially if they don't have that kind of comfort promise surrounding them and and they do cry, for example. Circumcisions, it's, it's very similar. There is some research showing that if they have a lot of needle pokes and heel sticks and they have a very difficult experience, even as a baby and they're crying and crying, you know, during these procedures, it shows that it changes their pathways, their nervous system pathways developmentally, and then they could lead to issues down the road, like chronic pain, for example, it has caused um, central sensitization, which leads to chronic pain when they do experience these, you know, needle pokes over and over again, that were traumatic. So yeah, it is, it is scary. If we only knew then what we know now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So hypnosis is great. That's why I think a lot of Uh, studies are using, especially in the younger kids are using hypnosis um, during these difficult procedures, you know, blowing bubbles, you know, doing a lot of distraction. It's, it's very, very important to keep the child as calm and as happy as possible. Well, and if you're a parent listening and your child's about to go in for a procedure, you make sure you tell them about this. (laughs) Let's start advocating in the places where it's not (laughs) happening. All right. There's one really important piece. There's so many more, but we've got to end it on sleep. Let's talk about sleep, Anna. Yeah. So sleep is really, really big right now, especially after it was actually big before the pandemic, but it really became a much bigger issue after um, COVID. And so you're, that's why you're seeing a lot of like melatonin overdoses because all these kids and teens are not sleeping. They're on the screens all day long. There was a lot more anxiety and mental health disorders that just revved up around the pandemic, the fear, the anxiety, the change. And, and, So 80% of teens now are having, or actually children and teens are having either poor quality sleep or not sleeping enough. And so this is where a lot of these mind body therapies, there was actually an NIH funded intervention program that was done um, in a school um, health system out in the East coast. And they actually showed a lot of these mind body therapies, these 
kids and teens were implementing the tapping, they were implementing the mindfulness, the mindful breathing, um, they were implementing a lot of like the self massage, um, and even just a lot of like emotional, like letting go and surrendering to all this emotional gunk that's been built up inside fear mm -hmm. and anxiety and worry, for example, right before bed, they actually showed significant improvements by implementing these mind body therapies for their sleep, but also for their emotions as well. So these mind body therapies are super key. A lot of people think, oh, kids and teens won't do this. They do. They want to do it. That, that This study actually showed that they it's actually published um and they they love it okay so oh, again i'm excited but you said let's let's say that that percentage again 80 percent, everybody so whoever's listening chances are your children are falling in that 80 percent, or you are <laughs> or we are you know regardless but uh, we're about to publish our fourth book in the series called i can call my mind and we actually take them through techniques to calm their mind before falling asleep at night. So yeah, I guess it's so that. nice to be, I have to say my co-author is a clinician. She's a social worker, my niece actually. So uh, having her on board has been fantastic. Oh my goodness, Anna. I, uh, wow. We could go on and on and on. And maybe at some point when you're done uh, your new, when you have your new qualification, <laughs> we have to have you back because you have more, to, we didn't talk about acupuncture and I, all, yeah, so many other things. So <laughs> where can people go to find information about you and, and uh, they want to learn more? Well, it's probably my website. So health is power. It's P-O-W-H-E-R.com. And my um, podcast is health is power as well. So you can find us on iTunes and Spotify, I believe. And you there's um, there should be a contact form on my uh, website, health is power.com and also um, a free call as well if they want to learn more about how we can help. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited for taking the helm. I love this. Thank you. I'm excited that we are really honing in and focusing uh, specifically on children's emotional well-being and uh, total health connected, as you've said, mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All the best in your uh, intern. Is it an internship? It, is that what I'm going to say? Okay. A, it's a residency, residency slash fellowship. Yeah. Okay. All the best and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Well, a little bit different for me wearing a headset if you're watching on YouTube, but I've got a lot of background noise happening on my property today. So this was the best solution. Next week, oh my gosh, we talk about children. We're going to have children as our guests on our podcast. You won't believe what these little people are doing to take charge of their own mental health and well-being. I can't wait to have them. We'll see you in two weeks time. Stay healthy and safe. Thanks for tuning in and posting your review of Taking the Helm on your favorite platform. We'll give you a shout out in a future episode. To be inspired by people who are steering us in the right direction, go to lynnmclaughlin.com where you can search previous guests by the topic of your choice. And while you're there, download Lynn's gift. There's more than one way to get through a crisis.